So is it fair to say that the last uh, 18 months have challenged us emotionally? I know for me, like I'm, I'm pretty emotionally exhausted just with everything that's happened with COVID and lockdowns and just so much tension. We fight about everything now. We fight about masks and we fight about vaccines. And of course, all of that has happened in a crazy kind of nasty election and there's social unrest. And then of course, on top of all of it, it's just the normal stuff that we're all dealing with in our individual lives. I don't know where you're at, but I'm emotionally exhausted. I think a lot of us were just living emotionally maxed out. I'll, I'll explain it this way. I recently, I got a new car and well, it's new to me and it has this feature. I don't know if this is cool or weird, but it's like you push a button and it switches from automatic transmission to manual transmission. Now here's the thing. I don't know how to drive a manual transmission. I can't drive a stick shift. Okay. And before you judge me and you go, everyone should know how to drive. It's 2021. You got to let that go. Okay. You can get rid of your landline too. You're not going to need that. It's not a normal like stick shift though. It just has shifters on the, on the steering wheel. But here's what I know about driving a manual transmission. You have to pay attention to what the car is doing, right? So you have to listen to the car. You have to listen to the sounds that it's making. You gotta watch that little gauge, right? I don't know what it's called. Clearly I'm a car guy, okay? You gotta watch that little gauge. These things tell you when you need to shift gears. And if you think about a car that needs to shift gears, it's loud, right? It sounds like it's gonna blow up. All you do, if you barely touch the gas, if you're right below that red line and you barely touch the accelerator, it goes into that, into that warning zone, right? And what happens when you cross past that red line? Stuff starts breaking. I think this is where many of us are living emotionally, maxed out. We are right below that red line. So anything happens, you have a bad day at work, your boss yells at you, you wake up late, someone cuts you off in traffic, anything happens and it just destroys you. It starts to come out of us and it's pretty ugly. It starts to come out of us in anger, frustration, even hate, things that are small, that should be sort of minor annoyance. These little nuisance things end up being these blow-ups that come out of us sideways that look like hate and anger. Today, I want to talk about how we switch gears. How do we switch gears? Because so many of us are running right below the red line and anything will put us over. And it's starting to come out of us. It's starting to come out on people that we're supposed to love, people that are close to us, people in our family, our friends. We've started to hate people. And before you go, I don't hate anyone. I mean, good gravy. People are annoying, right? They're awkward and frustrating. Hate is just, anger is just part of culture right now. I mean, you see it all over. Turn on the television. People hate each other. How do we get away from that? So Luke chapter six is where we're going to be today. If you've got a Bible with you, get it out and go to Luke chapter six, or you can use our app, of course, Luke chapter six. And we're in this series called Awkward Cousin. And one of the things that we're seeing is, you know, it's really hard to love people that are our friends and family that are like us, that are close to us. How much harder is it going to be to love people that we don't like, that frustrate us, that we hate? So I want to look at this passage today, and it's probably one that you know. It's Jesus speaking, and, and, and something Jesus does, he validates that anger and hate are real emotions. He goes, yeah, those are real. 
But I think he gives us a way to live that it doesn't come out of us sideways. We're so exhausted emotionally. This stuff's starting to land on people. He gives us hope so it, it doesn't keep coming out of us in these blow-ups and these anger and frustration. So I want to walk through this slowly. Jesus speaking, Luke chapter 6. Here's what he says. He says, but to you who are listening. Are you listening? I mean, fascinating that Jesus would say this. The first thing out of his mouth, he goes, some of you aren't listening. Are you listening? To you who are listening, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Are you listening? I mean, this might be the hardest thing that Jesus says anywhere in the Bible. Love your enemies? Love your enemies. I, I want to hate people. I want to be angry with people. I want to get back at people. He goes, love your enemies. And the word that he uses for love there in Greek is the word agape. And this kind of love is, is a sacrificial love, sacrifice for your enemies. In fact, that word describes the love that God has for us. Do you, do you catch that? God's like, love your enemies as much as the way that I love you. Okay, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Do good, he says. Do good to those who hate you. I mean, imagine almost how awkward this is. Imagine you go into work, and there's somebody at work that you butt heads with, right? You don't really like them, and, and, and they don't like you. Imagine you just go and you do something nice. You just go, you know what? I'm going to just take them up. Here's a hoagie sandwich, right? Like, here, here's lunch. That person's going to think you're trying to give them diarrhea or something. They're going to be, no. But just, like, that's, it's that foreign, right? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And what he means is don't talk bad about people. So they've lied about you. Someone's slandered you, started some rumor. They've gossiped about you. And you, oh, you want to get even. Jesus goes, no, no, no. Don't talk bad about them. And then he says, pray for those who mistreat you. Really? Pray for them? I mean, I'm going to pray that God drops an anvil on them out of the sky, cartoon style. Pray for them? Or I'm just trying to get us to see how, how unnatural this is. Right? The idea that I'm going to love someone who hates me that I'm going to lean into a relationship with someone who mistreats me, I'm going to forgive them, I'm going to pray for someone that's wronged me? And I go, man, I, people frustrate me, Jesus. I want to hate them. I want to get even with them. Jesus goes, love them. Do good for them. Pray for them. It's not natural. Keep going. He says this. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other one also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. But do to others as you would have them do to you. Give them the other cheek. Give them your shirt. And I want to be really careful about something, about what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that if someone is hurting you or abusing you, that you should just go, ah, it's okay. I have to accept it. I have to just forgive them and let them keep doing it. Absolutely not. Pastor Joe talked about last week, he talked about forgiveness, and he talked about building boundaries, safe boundaries in our life. 
And he talked about rebuilding trust, and that, that takes time. That's a process. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and, and watch that again. Definitely, definitely, if someone is hurting you or abusing you, get help. Tell someone, I, I need help, please. Jesus is not suggesting anything other than that. But all that stuff is really about relationships. What Jesus is doing right now, he's like, this is actually about you. It's about what's going on in here. It's like Jesus sort of opens the front door and he, uh, to our heart and he kind of peeks in there. He goes, I want to see, I want to see in there. What's in there? Oh, someone hurts you? Show me that corner of your heart. I want to see that. You want to get even with them, right? Someone slandered you? They gossiped about you? Is there hate in your heart? Are you just waiting to gossip about them? Are you just waiting to thrash them over something? Let me see what's in there. Oh, a parent, a boyfriend or a girlfriend abandoned you. Oh, you just want to hate them. Show me, show me what's in your heart. Jesus is like, he's trying to get at what's going on in our heart. Yes, of course, this is about actually loving people and relationally too, but he's like, I want to know what's inside of you. I care about what's in your heart. And let's just get this out of the way for a minute. What Jesus is suggesting, what he's saying here is not fair. All right, just the idea that I would just pray for people that have done me wrong. The idea that I wouldn't fight back. The idea that when someone offends me, I wouldn't go after them. They abandon me. And you want me to still be good, do good things to them? Like, that's not fair. And it's not easy. And even when Jesus spoke these words a couple thousand years ago, it was as crazy then as it is now. This idea of, of sort of love your enemy, pray for them, do good. When Jesus was on earth, it was a time of of enlightenment and, and, and sort of philosophy. A lot of people were watching Jesus as he was building a following and a crowd, and people were trying to come up with sort of their own following. They're like, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And they, and they look at him, and they go, he seems to be building sort of a, a moral code, so I'm going to write my moral code. So there's a lot of writing and things around this time, and no one is talking like Jesus. I mean, this is totally off the deep end, what he's saying. There's other writings from this time that say things like, you should love the sons of light and hate the sons of darkness. Meaning, of course you should love good people, but you should hate bad people, evil people, mean people. Even the Pharisees had a law. Jesus quotes it in Matthew 5. Their law, they said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And I hear those things and I'm like, yes, that makes sense to me. I have a category for that. Of course, love people that are kind and that are nice and that are like me and that do good and hate people that do evil. I have a category for that. I don't have a category for what Jesus is saying. He comes in with this idea of love your enemy. Pray for those who have mistreated you. Really, God? I mean, you're saying that, God, of all people, you know what they did to me. And you want me to pray for them? You want me to do good? You, you know what they did to me? You want me to do good for them? It's not natural. It's not fair. But do you see that what Jesus is, is, is worried about, he's so worried about our heart, mine and yours. He's so worried about what's going on in our heart. He's going, some of you, this, this anger and hate, it's, it's, it's running your life. When are you going to stop being controlled by anger and hate? I don't want that for you. Do you see that? He's worried about what's going on inside of us. 
He's like that anger and that hate that's in there. It's destroying you. It's going to tear you apart. The devastating effects of, of anger are not just and hate are not just for the person that you hate, but they're actually for you. Do you see that? Do you see that Jesus is so good that he goes, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to wake up in the morning and just be angry because it's ruining you. You know that they've done studies that actually confirm this? They've done these studies that look at, at hate and anger, and they've looked at what it does to the brain. Do you know that hate and anger actually rewire, remap our brain? Hate and anger tap into these, bring alive these dark places in our brain, and what comes out of it is obsession and anxiety and paranoia. It's remapping our mind. They've also looked at, at anger and, and hate and what they've found, what scientists have found is that most of the people or most of the anger that's in us is directed at people in two categories. You ready? People that we'll never meet and people that don't actually exist. Here, here's what I mean. You can see this over the last number of years. We, we, we single out groups of people and we go, I hate those people, right? So think about it in like politics. You watch Republicans hate Democrats, and especially the leaders. And Democrats hate Republican leaders, right? We, we, we see this stuff, and we align with one group, and then we go, I hate the other. But think about how crazy this is. The likelihood is you will never even meet those people, and you're letting it rewire your brain? Is that worth it? The other group of people we ascribe hate, anger towards is people that might not even exist. So imagine you're, you're, you're driving in your car and you're in traffic and somebody whoo, cuts you off. In that moment, don't you do this? You see the car, or the truck they drive. It's a sports car. They have some bumper sticker that you don't like. And what do you do? You create in your mind who that person is, right? You go, that's, that's who they are. And I hate that person. It's not even real. It's just a caricature. It's just your imagination. And yet, this stuff is remapping our brain. It's turning you into somebody you were never supposed to be. Is that worth it? Anger and hate? Worth having your brain changed, literally becoming a different person? Do you see why Jesus is worried about this? He goes, my daughter, my son, it's destroying you, this anger that you have inside of you. You're so maxed out emotionally. Hate is starting to come out. And it's not just destroying other people. It's destroying you. Jesus' little brother had something to say about this. James, I think, puts it in, in a good frame. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Right? Get this. So, so there, there's the person that you are and the person that God designed you to be. And the roadmap to that is not through anger. It's, not, it's never through hate. You're not going to be fully who God wants you to be by being angry or by being hate-filled or by being frustrated with people. Anger eats us up. When are you going to stop? When is enough enough? And you go, anger's not going to run my life anymore. Verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good for you, big deal. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, okay, what credit is that? Everyone does that. They expect to be repaid. But 
he says, but, well, the word is regardless. Regardless, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be called children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Regardless of how someone treats you, Jesus says, regardless of how they treat you, love your enemies. Do good to them. Why? Because your reward will be great. You'll be called children of the Most High God. Why? Because God is kind, even to the wicked, even to the grateful, ungrateful. And so when we're like that, we're children of Him. We're like Dad. He goes, be like, you want to be like me, loving. This is what it looks like. Not get even. Not get what's yours. Not get back at someone. Not get revenge. Love your enemies. Jesus uses this word. He says, be merciful. The, the word is gentle. God is gentle even to people who hate him. I mean, could that be said of you? That you're gentle? Not by your closest circle. Not by your family and friends. By, by people that don't like you. Someone that doesn't like you, would they say that about you? Listen, I, I, I don't like her. I don't like him, but he's gentle. Can that be said about you? Because that's who Jesus is. Like, I don't think that can be said about me. I, I want it to be the case, right? Like, I want to go, okay, Lord, help me. I want to be gentle. Jesus is gentle. That's who he is. Can that be said about you? Do you see how this is all about what's going on inside of us? Again, yes, of course Jesus wants us to actually love. We're going to talk about that. But what's going on in your heart is you hate someone. You're angry with them. You go, I want to kill them. And he goes, that's destroying you. It runs into what he says. I have anger, and he just collides. And he goes, love your enemies. Do good. I think the, the question that you have to ask yourself as you, as you look at your life is like, it, when I've been wronged, am I more worried about fairness? Am I more worried about being vindicated? Or is my goal to be like Jesus? Right? What's the ultimate goal here? Someone who's hurt you, is it to hurt him back? Is it to get what's yours, to get even? Or is it to be like Jesus? I mean, you... You have to be honest with the Lord in that. Like, I've been hurt. Am I actually willing to give up my pride, my ego, my sense of what is due me? Am I actually willing to just push that aside and go, no, I, actually, I, I just want to be like Jesus. I don't need to claim vengeance or anything else. I, I just want to be like Jesus. I don't know. That's a hard challenge to let go of scars, the way that I've been hurt. I just... Nope, I'm just going to be like Jesus. I go, for me, I, I'm so emotionally maxed out. It's been coming out of me. People bump into me, and what comes out, what spills out is anger and frustration. And, and I, start to, I start to see things through the lens of, 
You've wronged me. You've offended me. You owe me. This is what I... No. I want to set that aside and go, how, how do I be more like Jesus in this? How does this make me more like him? I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus who hung on a cross and forgave the people that were murdering him. How can I be like that? I actually want to believe Psalm 63 that says your love is better than life. Not getting even is better than life. Not getting vengeance is the best thing in life. Not when someone's offended me, offending them back is the best thing. No, God, just experiencing your love and being like Jesus, that's the best thing in life. See, what I'm sort of learning as we're going through this series, because we're always bumping into people that we don't like, people that aren't like us, people that are different people that rub us the wrong way. And what I'm learning is that God is actually using these people. He actually uses people that I don't like to make me more like Jesus, right? If everyone was like me, thought like me, talked like me, acted like me, believed like me, they never annoyed me. They were never awkward. They never made me mad. I wouldn't have to change. I would just go, this is who I am. I'll just stay exactly the same. But what if God actually walks people into our life that drive us nuts, that make us angry because those people will help us be more like Jesus, right? I mean, flip that around. Maybe you and I are the awkward people in other people's lives that will make them more like Jesus. That's what, that's some of this stuff about you can just love people that love you, but, but it's hard to love people that are different than you. And yet, if we're committed to being more and more like Jesus, we have to change. And God uses people to, to do that. I, I don't know how this is landing on you, what you feel about this. I mean, for me, it's like, man, I know I'm I'm maxed out. I know my emotions. I've been running right below the red line. I, I, could, I could tell you examples of what that looks like and what that means, but I, I know I'm there. And anything happens, I'm, uh, uh, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be controlled by anger and, and, and hate anymore. I want to be gentle like Jesus. So how do we do that? Let's go back to the passage for a minute. I think Jesus gives us three things to look at that are just sort of tips. See, because the thing is, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I actually have to put this into practice. Like Jesus didn't just come to earth and spout this fear. He actually lived it out, right? So what does some of that look like? Well, the first thing he says is this. Loving my enemy means doing good things for someone I want to hate, right? It means doing good things for someone I want to hate. Not just nice things for nice people, not just loving things for people that love me. No, anybody can do that, not just I do things for somebody when I think it's going to get something back in return for me. No, no, no. That's, that's easy. Loving someone that I want to hate. So it might be something small, right? It could be something really uh, seems almost silly. So Jesus in Matthew's version of, of this story, Jesus says, greet your enemies. That's, that's the challenge he gives us. Greet your enemies. Because you know how like when people you don't like, you just avoid them completely? Right? So like somebody at work, you don't want to have to walk past their cubicle to go to the bathroom or to go to the copier. So you go like three floors down or like a wing over because you're like, I, just, I don't even want to look at them. What if we make eye contact? Do I smile? I want to hit them. Like, no, he goes, greet them. Maybe that's, maybe that's all you can do is just greet them. 
I'm reading a book about a woman named Corey Tenboom. She was a, uh, she's a Holocaust survivor. She and most of her family were imprisoned during the Holocaust. And she was released right at the end of the war. And, uh, and one day, a number of years later, she runs into this guy who she recognizes that he was one of the guards at her concentration camp. And he walks up to her and he puts his hand out. And he says, would you forgive me? And she says, in that moment, I couldn't even lift my hand to shake his hand. But I heard the words of Jesus, love your enemy, do good for those who hate you, pray for them, bless them. And she's like, I knew what I had to do. It's all I could do. But with God's help, I lifted my hand and, 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 I, and I shook his hand. Maybe that's all you can do. Greet or shake the hand of the person that you hate. Step towards them in forgiveness. Maybe all you can do today is forgive them in your heart. You're like, I'm not going to make contact with them. I, I, I can't talk to them. I can't see them, but I can forgive them in my heart. I can ask God to help me let some of this stuff go. That's my move towards them. Watch as God lowers the walls around your heart, even with these simple things. Maybe that sounds too simple. Jesus' words, not mine. Second thing he says is loving my enemy means refusing to speak bad about them. Proverbs 18 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Every time you open your mouth, what comes out can be life-giving or it can be death. It cannot be both at the same time. It's going to be one or the other. And the way you talk about your enemies, the way you talk about people have, who have offended you, actually says more about you than it does about them, right? Jesus says what comes out of your mouth came from your heart. So if you're spewing hatred and anger about people, that says something about what's going on in your heart, about a boss, about a coworker. Maybe you're always spewing anger about political leaders. What's going on in your heart that's bringing that venom out of you? Maybe today's the day you go, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not speaking, God help me. I'm not speaking bad about them anymore. What would it look like to not speak bad about your ex? To not speak bad about your boss? Well, they slandered me, okay? What would it be like to only speak good things about them? In the midst of that, what would have to happen in your heart for it to be gentle? Jesus, help me, help me be gentle. Help me speak gentle things. Finally, Jesus says this. He says that loving my enemy means praying for them. It means praying for them. So hard, right? This is the hardest thing he says because when we talk to God, here's the deal, you can't hide from God. You can't trick God, right? So God knows what's going on in my heart. So when I go, God, you know this person, I can't stand them. He knows. He already knows. I can't fool him. I hate that because there's some stuff in there that's ugly that I don't really want anyone to know about. Why does God ask us to pray for people that we don't like? What does he do? Does he change them? Maybe, but he begins to change us. Pray for someone that you don't like and watch as God softens us, as he softens your heart. He doesn't make them less awkward. He makes you less awkward. He makes you more like Christ. He makes you gentle. He uses people that you don't like to make you more like Jesus if you'll let him. He doesn't force that on you, but if you will 
let him. So what do you do? How does all of this land on you? I mean, Jesus comes out pretty strong. Love your enemies. Do good. Bless them. Pray for them. You're maxed out emotionally. I get it. The last 18 months have been really hard. But what do you do? You let your emotions, you let anger and hate continue to control you? Like, when will enough be enough? What will it take for you to go, no, 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 I, you don't know what they did, but, I, but okay, yes, I want to be like Jesus. When is it enough? You want hang, anger and, 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 and hatred to remap your brain? Or do you come before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to be worried about getting even. God is a God of justice. You let him do, take care of that. I don't, I don't want to worry about getting even or getting vengeance. God, I just want to be like Jesus. And man, it's really hard. Like it's just, it's really hard. But Jesus says your reward will be great and you will be called children of the most high. It's really hard to love people that are different than you. It's really hard to pray for people that you want to hate. And it's really like Jesus to love people that are different than you, to pray for people that you want to hate. What's more important? Being right, getting justice, or being like Jesus? We're going to end the message a little bit differently today. We're going to take communion together. So if you've got your communion elements, grab them. And if you're here on campus, you have this little cup that makes a lot of noise. Go ahead and just let's open it together. All right. It's loud. It's okay. You know, in the Bible, in Romans 5, it says that God sent his son, Jesus, to us to die for us while we were still his. Do you know the word? enemies. We are enemies of God. And yet he sends Jesus to die for us. And you think about when you forgive someone, all of the things you have to give up. You have to give up your pride and your ego and your right to, to get even with them, right? So we come to communion and we, and we think about this and we think of all that God had to give up for us because we're so quick to go, God, I can forgive for that and that. I can't forgive that person, God. You know what they did. I can, I, I can forgive that one over there, but not this person. And we come to this moment and we think about what God gave up, that God gave up his pride and his ego when we've questioned his authority. I mean, we're just disobedient. We, we've mocked him. God could have easily just gone, I'm done with you. No, he walks into our mess. God gave up his, maybe his desire to be right. Go, oh, I have to show these guys what's up. No, he doesn't do that. Of course, God gave up his son. He sent his son to his enemies. He spent everything he had on us. And we sit here and go, God, I can't forgive. Really? I want to encourage us. We're going to take a moment and just be still and be quiet. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. 
The Apostle Paul, when he talks about communion, he says everyone ought to examine their heart before they eat of the bread or drink of the cup. I want to challenge you for a moment just to examine your heart. God, are there, are there ways that I'm angry? Are there ways that I'm unforgiving? God, help me see what's really in my heart. God, we confess if we've been ruled by anger or hate. We confess the vile things that have come out of our mouth, the people that we've labeled enemies. Please help us to be gentle like Jesus. Please help us to give up our pride. God, we can't do that without you. We, we need you. Jesus says that the reason that we celebrate communion is to remember. It's to remember that God gave up everything to love us, his enemies. And so on the night that Jesus was arrested, he, he was having dinner with his friends and he broke some bread and he passed it around. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me. We also take communion to remember the promise of what's coming. Jesus says this, this cup is a new covenant, my blood. It's a promise of new life, of eternal life. And so when you drink, drink and remember me. God, thanks that you move towards us. Thanks that while we were your enemies, you sent Jesus. You didn't wait for us to clean up our act because we never could. So God, help us to be people that forgive like you, that sacrificially love, that agape love that you've shown us, that we would show that to other people, that we would walk into the messiness, that we would be done with hate and anger. God, we can't do that without you. We need your help. Search us, God. Purify our hearts. From this day on, would we be known as gentle people like Jesus, who treat everyone the way that we would want to be treated. Daughters and sons of the Most High, merciful like you. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen.